Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Monica Packer from About Progress, and you are listening to The Messy Middle, a monthly series where I share some of my own messy middle so you can see what progress looks like for a real woman in real time. Hello and happy February. I hope yours is off to a great start, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you about my messy middle mostly in January, which was a very exciting month (laughs) for the primary reason being likely the elephant in the room is, did I have my baby? And yes, I did. We have our baby boy, and he has been here for about 12 days now, which is great. He was born three days after his due date, and I thought what I would do is actually just share a little um, labor and delivery story at the end of the messy middle. So if that's your scene, if you love to hear about birth stories, then I'll share that at the end and a much like shorter version than I typically would, would share. Like, 
Um, meaning I could talk about it for like in detail for, for a long time, but I'm going to do my best to just give like an overview nutshell version of the, of the, um, delivery. Uh, but yes, that's, what's been happening is it was leading up to the baby being born and then recovering from, from childbirth and lots of highs and lows though. So let's start with that segment, the highs and lows from January highs, um, would definitely involve meeting our baby and just having that moment with him right after delivery. Um, with Brad. Uh, I'm like getting choked up even thinking about it right now. Another high was uh, the siblings meeting him. One darling thing is when we we FaceTimed our kids the night he was born and our nine-year-old was sobbing on on his side of FaceTime. So we took a a cute um, like screen grabs of that. But they've just been so thrilled to have him around. There was a lot of fighting over who gets to hold him, but that's kind of simmered down a little bit. Um, but just having those moments where they all get to meet each other was so, so lovely. And that really is, I mean, the two highs I, I can just treasure so much from this past month. A low was just trying to to breastfeed with my finger. Uh, last month, I told you how I had surgery on my finger. That's doing better. I got my pins removed yesterday. Um, it's it's like useless though right now. It won't even, it won't move or bend at all. But, but right after I had the baby, you know, I was still like basically in a splint and tied to other fingers. So it was just a little complicated to try to figure out how to, to, to breastfeed with that hand. And it, it made things a little harder. And you know, if you've been able to have the opportunity to breastfeed that, that also means that there was lots of pain <laughs> involved, uh, scabs and bleeding and all that kind of stuff, but that's turned a corner too. So I'd say that was my low, just trying to learn how to breastfeed with that hand and it should be getting better and better from here on out. Next up, I'll share a DSL update. I don't have a lot to report in yet beyond that this is my month that I focused on creating my DSL. And if you haven't made yours yet, you are in good company. It's okay that you haven't made yours yet. Um, I just barely finalized mine myself, and um, I'm hoping to put that up on a site soon so that you can check it and see it, but I will have it on Instagram soon for you to see as well. So by the time this airs, you should be able to go to my Instagram profile and be able to see a reel where I post about what my DSL is for 2023. I will say the biggest update I wanted to share with you is one, I finalized my list for the year, but two, that it's really driven by my season right now. Um, I tried to pay really close attention to realistically what is happening in my life and how that matches also what I need, which I have found I'm feeling pretty aimless. I'm used to a go, go, go life. Um, and right now my go, go, go looks like a lot like sitting on the couch and, and feeding a baby and changing his diaper and doing that on, on repeat. Uh, even the things I'd love to do around my house, I'm just not capable of doing right now. Uh, my hands are busy, you know? So, um, because of that, I know that this year for me, my DSL is more about exploring creative mediums because creativity in any form helps me feel like myself. And because I'm feeling aimless and I can't really like do lots of big things outside of the house or even in my house, I thought I, it still could be a great way for me to just explore creative mediums. And um, you'll be able to see from my DSL what that looks like. But I'm really excited about it because I'm going to try new things, but I'm also going to return back to some old things that I used to love. And 
you know, this past fall was one of the busiest of my entire life. And now that it's a slower pace and I'm struggling with the slower pace, I think this will be the nice amount of push that I need to um, feel like I'm having more of a direction in my life, but without overwhelming my life. So again, go to my Instagram profile. You'll be able to see my DSL for 2023. And if you want to make your own, I have a whole training now for you. It includes a DSL workshop, like a video workshop and an audio workshop where I walk you through it and includes a DSL guide. It also includes extra resources. Like you get to see real DSLs from progressors in this community. You can get that all for free at aboutprogress.com slash DSL. All right, let's do the next segment, make it a habit. I'll start this segment by saying most of my habits, actually all of them (laughs) are just at the baseline levels. It's just about making sure I am supporting myself in the bare minimum of ways. And that includes like journaling is just the bare minimum. Exercising is is me doing like pelvic floor therapy exercises on the floor for five minutes a day. Um, meditation is deep breathing while I'm trying to fall asleep at night and feeling really anxious. You know that, so it's all just the baselines, but one I'm extra committing to is getting ready for bed when my big kids are either getting ready for bed themselves or they are getting down into bed. So that way I can go to sleep as soon as the baby's asleep. Like I can just get in bed and and do that. So that's the habit I am extra focused on right now. And I do know with time, those baseline habits that I've been working on, and those are, by the way, the baselines are the smallest and simplest versions of my ideal habits. I know that those will build over time. And just holding firm to them is the best thing I can do right now is giving myself those gifts of the baseline. Next up, what I'm loving lately. In this segment, I share something I'm loving. And right now it's my nursery. It's it's so amazing to have a room just for the baby. <laughs> we we lived in a really small home in California. Our first child was in our same room with us for 15 months. Our second child, I think technically had a nursery for out of all of our kids. But this one to have like his official like own room that I decorated just for him. And I painted it this beautiful like French gray kind of color. And um, I, I used whatever we had and I got some things from neighbors, like a donated crib. My parents donated or not donated, they lended us their their glider from their living room. Um, and it's it, it didn't take much to make the room feel special, but it feels just like a gift to be in there. One, because of what it means. Like I get to be in there and spend a lot of time with the baby, like all night long. He doesn't like to sleep outside of my arms very much yet at all. Um, but it also feels like um, a gift to me because the, the space reflects me and the things that I love. I love making things beautiful and um, interior design. So it didn't take much, but it, it really feels like a very, very special place um, to have. So that's what I'm loving. And the final segment for today, On My Mind. Brad had two weeks of paternity leave. Um, the day this airs is this, his his first day back. And what's on my mind is just feeling a little overwhelmed, honestly, about what's next for me. Uh, primarily, you know, getting up with the kids that's what he's been doing, helping them get ready for school, taking them to school while I can 
just be continue to zonk out in the nursery um, with the baby or just show up the last few minutes and give people hugs and goodbye. You know, um, so just that shift in responsibility is, is on my mind, just like how will that play out? And, and, and just the logistics of it, I'm finding I'm, I'm feeling a little nervous about and overwhelmed by. And this is when I get to remind myself, I've done it before, and I can do it again. And I've done it before without with Brad working, you know, an hour train ride away from our home. And now he's still, he gets to work from home. He'll, he has his own separate space, though, you know, so if, you know, things are going to be different and in good ways and just trying to empower myself and walk myself through it, feel the hard feelings, but also know, um, giving myself, um, empowering myself, I guess, to know, like, I can do this. I can, I can get kids ready. I can do carpool with a newborn. I can figure out how to live life. And even one of those things for me is like, how do I start exercising again with the baby? <laughs> like you've done this before. So that's kind of on my mind is just the what's next phase of, of me recovering and this baby getting more, um, more in a rhythm and me taking care of my kids and feeling a bit overwhelmed by that, but trying to walk myself through it. So that's it for the official messy middle segments that we typically cover. Now, I think it'd be kind of fun, maybe different to do a mini birth story. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. If you want like a long version of a birth story I've shared before, I did share a full-blown like minute-by-minute birth story of my fourth kid years ago with a woman who was a doula and had been on the podcast with me. And so it was almost like a follow-up and I got to share her like how it went with her. And it was a really, really cool birth experience that I really cherished and It felt really empowering and all the good stuff. So I'll link to that in the show notes if you're interested in that kind of birth story. This one will just do kind of a nutshell version, even though it totally matters just as much as my fourth. Um, But I also think this is not everyone's cup of tea. So I'll just start by saying the overview of how like my other four births went. My first birth was a natural birth. My second one was natural. My third one, I got an epidural. My fourth one was natural. And this fifth one, I think was like the best of both worlds. Um, I ultimately did have an epidural and I'll walk through that in a moment. And, and so I say that all to say, I don't care how women give birth. It's hard no matter what. Um, it's no cakewalk, <laughs> no matter how um, birth happens. It's a miracle. And a challenge at the same time. Um, but I will say overall with my past deliveries, they have been extremely fast, extremely fast. And because of that, it's been both a gift and a, and a curse, a blessing and a curse, I guess. Um, because one, I can, the, with the natural births, I could just get through them really quick because they just happened and it was a train ride you couldn't get off of. And, um, you know, it just, there was no time to really think. So that's like a blessing and a curse, right? Um, the curse side of that is I, the, my first two were 
kind of traumatizing. Um, and, and so because of that, my third, I was so glad I had an epidural because my baby was huge and it also helped me see like, I actually do like natural childbirth overall better. It makes me feel, even though sometimes traumatized, <laughs> it can also feel empowering and the recovery is easier. So with my fourth kid, I went into it saying, I would love a natural childbirth. I was able to get laughing gas though. That helped me think through it. With my first two, I just like, I went into like full on animal mode of just not being able to deal with things emotionally and freaking out. And it's really, really scary. And I really just wanted to feel less of that, less traumatized. And thanks to that, that doula who gave me like lots of ways to prepare for birth mentally more. Um, and the laughing gas, I was able to think through it. The laughing gas doesn't take away the pain at all. It's the exact same, but I could calm myself down better and walk myself through it and use the tools that I had prepared. Um, I had prepared those tools by the way, for my first child, but that's just, it was a whole other thing, right? So with that all being said, I came into this birth wanting a similar experience to my fourth childbirth. I really wanted to have the natural childbirth, um, one, because of the recovery, but also two, it does feel really, um, just like this different experience of just like empowering and, and special. But at the same time, um, there were some barriers to it. One being that I moved, uh, out of state for my fourth child and where I am now, they do not do laughing gas. And my OB was incredible and very open to anything. Um, and, but she could not just force laughing gas to be accepted by the hospital. She, she wrote lots of emails, talked to a lot of people throughout the entire nine months I was with her and we just couldn't get it approved. So that's one factor. But another factor that, um, came up for me, well, factors are twofold. And if you listen to the January messy middle, then you know about them. One, I fell down a flight of stairs, broke my finger. Uh, then a couple weeks later, broke it again, crushed it, had to have surgery. That was really intense <laughs> for the surgeon, even who I met with yesterday. And he was like, that was a really, it was a really rough surgery. And um, so that's one factor. And the second are, 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 are these heart episodes I began to have. Um, the week after I fell down the stairs, even though I'd have been having them up until that point, I just didn't know I was having them until they got to the point where they were really scary and I was passing out and not breathing and or couldn't breathe and things like that. So in fact, I can't remember if I shared this in the messy middle from January, but the first really scary episode uh, of this for me, like again, I'd had the heart racing a lot and it was really confusing and weird because I was like, I'm sitting down and my heart is beating so fast. And I'd have been having hard time like breathing, um, just like stuff like that. But I just thought it was all, you know, pregnancy related and it likely was. But um, but the scary moments were like when I um, was driving to pick up my preschooler and my heart, I had, you know, my Apple watch on and I could see at, the, at a stoplight that my heart rate was going up in the 130s and 150s, which typically my heart rate is in the low 50s, high 40s, like even while I'm pregnant. And and, you know, my heart rate's going that high and suddenly I can't breathe and I, I'm starting to faint. So I pull over and I call Brad and I ask him, you know, at that mo moment, I felt like I, I'm i in like danger and the baby's in danger. And I, I told him to call an ambulance and to come and get and my, and to go to our neighbor's house to come and get me. We only have one car. <laughs> so he ran to my neighbor's house and by the time he got there, I called him again and I said, like, I don't think I need an ambulance now, but you need to hurry. He came and got me and 
he got in, got in the car, my neighbor went to go pick up the our, our kids instead from preschool. And then he's running me to labor and delivery, which we had just been to the week prior with my fall. Um, and, and on the way there, we called a doctor because a doctor told me to call her if I was having weird heart episodes, because I told her like, my heart's racing, and it's being weird. And she's like, well, if it does these things, give me a call. And while we're on the phone with them and the nurse, like I am totally passing out and I'm about to throw up and I am panicking. I can't breathe. And the nurse, you know, over the phone is just like trying to coach me to take a very long, deep breath, which is exactly opposite the thing I think thought I could do, but you know, did that and it helped a little bit. And of course, like once you're in labor and delivery at first, I was like, I, I like, I'm probably gonna need a C-section right now. Um, but eventually, like, it just kind of simmered down to, like, my heart rate being in the 90s. And they're like, oh, after, like, a half day of monitoring, they're like, I think you're okay. But we do need to get you lots of heart appointments and all that, which is what followed. So I was on a heart rate monitor for the last 30 days of my pregnancy. And um, just having really rapid heart rate, couldn't breathe. I, I likely didn't have the episodes where I was, like, fainting and stuff like that. But all those factors together, I just three weeks ahead of my birth after my surgery, I felt so emotionally and physically depleted that I knew if I was going to give birth anytime soon after that surgery, when I was still in so much pain and trying to recover with my hand, that I didn't want to do a natural childbirth on top of that. And I didn't think I could. I didn't think I had the bandwidth anymore. I told my doctor that at my 37 week appointment, which was the day after my hand surgery. And she was just so lovely about it. She's like, you get to do whatever you are able to do. And I think you know what is best and you can make this decision for yourself. So I said, I, that was the first kind of moment I like give myself permission to just say, it's okay. I don't have to meet like, a, it's not a challenge. It's not a competition. And just because that's my preference and it's what I've done in the past, it doesn't mean I have to do it again. And giving myself that permission to just have the birth look different was really helpful for me. But I did also, I had been doubling down on my preparation for natural childbirth for months. I'd been doing hypnobirthing meditations on this app and um, doing that every night, doing all my meditations. But I just felt so much fear and overwhelm and anxiety. And on top of all these other issues that was that were going on, um, it was a different, it felt different than it did with my fourth. I came into birth just not feeling quite stable. Um, in fact, the week I had had my baby, they um, I, I was going to have what we're calling a natural induction where I just show up at the hospital and my doctor breaks my water because, um, in my past deliveries, when I've had Pitocin, it does nothing for me. And it's the, the water breaking that starts my labor. And it's been that way, even with the, my, my first birth started with the water breaking and me having that baby really quickly. So anyway, we were going to have a natural induction set up and I pushed it back, uh, to the next week. Cause I'm like, I think I need more time for my hand to heal. And after my surgery, by the way, I just sat down basically for three weeks. I did not go on walks. I didn't do any exercise. I tried to be really careful because I was already having contractions and the baby would dropped and, and we thought for sure he was coming soon. So I sat down and put myself on bed rest so my hand could heal more. And that really did work. Um, 
he in fact wasn't showing he didn't want to come out so the, the induction day I moved it back another week I'm like I, I I think I can be overdue and since my last baby was two days overdue we set an induction for two days overdue for this one but the morning of that induction date the labor and delivery called me and they said we don't have space for you would you like to come tonight? And I was like, no, I do not want to come tonight. <laughs> I don't want to do a baby like, you know, just at night and then like being up in the middle of the night trying to, rec- you know, do all the things they do to help you get cleaned up and you're trying to learn how to breastfeed and up. I was like, I can't do that. And they said, well, how about you come tomorrow instead? I'm like, that's great. So I was like, so not eager to get in there. I just needed more time. I just needed more time to adjust to it, to get my mindset um, where it needed to be. So the morning of the final induction day, I, I felt like I got there. I felt like I got to a place where I'm like, I, I, this is, this is what I want. I'm going to be, um, use my, use my coping mechanisms. I went for a walk to try to get out the anxiety and Brad and I went in there and I just told him the reason I want this is because I just want to be really present for this birth. It's my last birth and I want to experience all of it. And I just, I want to, to just have clear memories of this time. And then we went into labor and delivery and we had a fantastic nurse um, who just got on shift and she, you know, asked of our preferences and was so, so accommodating to everything. But I said, the ultimate goal for me is to just feel calm. I just want to feel calm. And she was all for that. And um, any, so <laughs> things went pretty quickly from there. I mean, we checked in at like 1130 and my doctor came in at 1230 and broke my water and as like I said in the past, that meant it's the runaway train. I'm going to have this baby in an hour. Well, that didn't happen this time. It was so different. I think because I had been on like my own version of bed rest for three weeks, um, I, my body just wasn't going to have like, it, it wasn't like the baby's ready right now. Like it had been in the past, which was a different experience. Um, the labor was moving a lot more slowly and gently of course, it was painful, but um, it was such a different experience. And I'd had of like all the other births I had, I went from three centimeters to 10 centimeters and push a baby out in an hour, except my first was two and a half hours total from when my water broke. I woke up to my water breaking at 530 in the morning. So this one was different to not be like on that huge runaway train. I was able to be on the birthing ball and just kind of move side to side and really get centered into my meditation, my meditation tools I'd been using. And I stayed really, really calm and it went on for hours and hours and, and which was really, really different and really nice in many ways, because I felt like I was moving through a lot of contractions and making a lot of progress, but doing so calmly. And so we got to around 4.30 and I had gone from three centimeters to six centimeters, which was pretty good progress. But in that moment, like after my nurse checked me, I, I knew even before she checked me, I was like, if I haven't, if I haven't gone up to like a seven or an eight, I think I need to really give myself I just had that, that, that moment being like, I can give myself permission to do it a different way because I don't know what is going to be. 
I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know if I'm going to go right into transition right away and have that runaway train moment from here on out. I don't know if it's just going to be long and slow and even more drawn out and painful in different ways. I don't trust myself to not freak out. I just began to feel more of the fear again in that moment of just knowing I have no idea what's coming. And on top of that, I had two other things going on in my mind. One of them was, I still have a long road ahead of me. After the baby's born, I still have to learn how to breastfeed with this hand that is still painful. I will have to I will have to recover from childbirth. I'll have to come home to the kids. I was thinking like that big picture, like I still have a long road ahead of me tonight and I am feeling good right now. I've made it to this point, but I don't know if I can uh, deal well with all that's to come from a, from a place of pure exhaustion because I didn't know how long it would continue to go from there. And then um, the second thing for me was just knowing that runaway train feeling and how traumatizing that is. And to know that I didn't have other um, ways of calming myself down like I did with the laughing gas, I thought, I think I want to just be really present with this. I want to experience it. And weirdly, I think having an epidural will help me actually be present for my final birth instead of just terrified and like climbing up a wall kind of animal like I get to be at the end. So in that moment, I just said, you know, I think I'm ready for an epidural. I I think I would like to do that. Even though I wasn't in like an unbearable amount of pain, I, I knew I could still do it, but I just decided I didn't have to. And I could do it and it still be a really special and beautiful birth. And again, it wasn't about me having to like meet this metric. It almost was like a good challenge for me to say like, is it okay to to do things this way? Yeah, it is. And I don't have to prove anything and I can have a beautiful birth and it be different than I originally wanted for a long time. So that's what we did. So I had the epidural and then I actually still labored for several hours more and I didn't make much progress at all for like two of those hours. And I remember there was a few contractions that like my pain meds were on one side of my body more. And, you know, they brought me to tears. I was like, oh, I'm really glad I'm not feeling this right now to its full extent. Um, but then the things got a little bit crazy. Um, my, do- my doctor and my nurse both had shift changes at seven. So we said goodbye to them and hello to new people. And that was fine. Um but that's also when some weird things began to happen with my body. Um, my, I started having a heart episode. I was looking at the heart rate monitor, or I was actually talking to Brad and all of a sudden I just felt really nauseous and like I was going to pass out. And I looked at the heart rate monitor and it was going all over the place. It was like 180, 220, 190, 160, 200. It was just crazy all, all over the place. And I began to start to faint again and really freaking out. I was really, really scared. And um, because I that feeling of like knowing you're passing out is really scary. And this is when I was like, I'm so glad I have this epidural because the only way to get through those episodes without passing out is at the height of when you feel like you can't breathe. You have to breathe really slowly and really deeply. And that's what I had to do. And because I had the wherewithal, I could do it. So I was able to take those slow, deep breaths 
and get that episode under control. And I had one or two more of those episodes back to back again. Um, But I was able to take those deep breaths and stay calm, even though I felt very, very scared um, on the inside. And that's when I knew that my body had to be going through transition. So when those episodes passed, I said, I think I'm ready to push. And the nurse took me and she's like, yep, you are. And that's when we, we, um, you know, they got all ready. The new doctor came in who was really nice and it's, it was a different experience, uh, you know, giving birth with an, an epidural in terms of like not being able to feel certain things as much, which isn't all that bad. Right. But I had one set of contractions where I didn't make too much progress until, um, I kind of figured out where to push from. And the second round of contractions is when I pushed out our little boy. And before that happened, um, right before I started pushing, you know, they laid me down on the bed and they curl up your, your legs so that you're still kind of in a squatting position, which is nice. Um, but I, I felt really scared then because I was afraid that I was going to have more of my heart episodes while I was laying down because laying down is, is in the, you know, the last past few months had made my heart beat really, really fast. So I was scared I was going to have the episodes laying down trying to push and that I would faint while pushing him out. And I laid down, you know, they laid me down and I looked up at Brad and he was looking down at me and we just had that eye contact where he, he was just trying to communicate to me like, you're okay. You can do this. It's all going to be okay. And I needed that. I needed that moment of just being able to connect really deeply with my, with my husband and to just have that moment of us being like, this is our last baby. This is our last time to do this. This is our last time to have this experience together. And, and to just feel empowered by him and loved by him was just such a beautiful moment. Um, even before we pushed, you know, I pushed him out. And then so when I I did push out our baby and they put him right on my my stomach, I have never in the past had that kind of moment like a lot of moms describe where they have the baby come on them and they just have this like tremendous rush of love and emotions and relief. But this one felt about as close as possible to what women have typically described in the past. And when they put the baby on my chest, I just had this moment of really embracing like, this is my last baby. This is my last moment of ever having this, this actual moment and just feeling really present and calm and centered in it and relishing it all. So my friends, that was it. That's, that was the the first story of our baby. Um, and it was, and it was beautiful. And there've been parts of me that have been a little disappointed. Like I could have made it longer. I was doing so well, but then there are other parts of me that like, if I had not had an epidural and had those hard episodes, I, I am like 90% certain I would have passed out. I would not have had the wherewithal or the calmness or the ability to use my deep breathing then to calm my heart down. I, I don't think I would have been able to access that. And, you know, a woman passing out during transition, I don't know what would have happened with the labor. I don't know if they would have had to put me right into C-section or if there just would have been a whole lot of other scary things happening. So whenever I have those moments, where I'm like, darn, I, I, I kind of wish I had just made it through that. I also think it was exactly what I wanted. I had a calm and present birth. 
I was able to be to be fully there for it, to experience it all. And I don't think I would have been able to do that this time otherwise. And I'm so glad for that. So this is when I feel like I had the best of both worlds. I had the best of like a natural labor and being able to like experience what a gradual <laughs> labor is like more and feeling really strong and capable and using my tools through it. And I also had a good epidural where I was able to also be calm and present and empowered through it. And both were, you know, both sides of that were equally beautiful. And I'm so glad that I was able to do it that way. Wow. So that was rambling. I maybe should have written an outline out ahead of time. I apologize if that was all over the place and a little boring. (laughs) But for those of you who are interested in those birth stories, um, I hope that was, was interesting for you. And you might be wondering why I keep saying my baby. We don't, we don't say our kids' names online. Um, so that's why, but our, our Instagram post where we initially like announced the baby's birth in our past two, we, we, we have shared their name just in that post. So you can go check that out if you're interested in what we named him. Um, but he's so sweet. He has a really sweet personality. He loves to just be in my arms all the time, which I don't mind. And uh, he hasn't had like this long witching hour like our other kids have had at night. So even though he's not really sleeping outside of my arms too well, he's like a really sweet temperament and he's beautiful and has like this dirty blonde hair and this really defined nose that is just like this Greek sculpture, (laughs) God knows. And um, we're just really grateful to have him here. And it's been a huge life change. <laughs> I can tell you that. I knew it would be um, logically, but I'm definitely moving through it right now being like, wow, my life really has changed in dramatic ways. And I say this all to just say, if you are in a season where things have shifted and um, you're just grappling with the good and the hard with that, you're not alone. And I'm so grateful that I get to do this and that we get to have this little baby after four and a half years of trying to decide if we should or not and he feels like the perfect caboose to our family that's it for this messy middle my friends thank you for listening and now i hope this can give you the courage to lean into your own messy middle today seeking the truth never gets old Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.